Hey, hey, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. So this is episode 32 of the podcast, and today I want to talk about something that is kind of crucial to this entire movement or, you know, the entire topic of this podcast that I've been getting a lot of questions about. And then just a little side note that once I'm done with that, I'm going to be talking a little bit about a big change coming to this podcast and my own creative journey. And I want to take this opportunity on the podcast to explain further about that. But we'll get to that soon enough. So let's take a minute to share a question that I received from somebody in our audience. And I won't disclose who this person is because I don't want to embarrass them. But I want to share with you what they asked me. And this is what um, I received via, I think it was Google Chat. She asked, I don't know what everybody means by maker. The word maker. Elizabeth Gilbert writes about it. You write about it. You talk about it on your podcast. But I feel like I'm not making anything. I'm glad that this person asked this question because in reality, I I think I never took the time to define the word maker or creative person on this podcast. And I know that I talked about this at, at least a little bit. I touched upon it in episode number five of the podcast where with Aldo Aguirre. And if you're, you're interested in listening to that episode, I'll, I'll post this in the show notes. So just visit www.process.show and uh, you can click through to the show notes and, and find the link there. But I'm kind of just flabbergasted that, you know, she's completely right. I haven't explained it and there is an answer And the answer is that, yes, you do make something. But how do we get from A to B? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Today's episode is titled, What Do You Make? And I think that the most important thing right now is to kind of start with what everybody thinks is a maker or the most accepted version of that definition. So, for example, if we take Wikipedia's definition, it says that maker culture is a contemporary culture subculture representing a technology-based extension of, like, do-it-yourself culture that intersects with hacker culture and whatever. So it's like do-it-yourself plus technology plus hacking, according to Wikipedia. But then if you go to another website... In this case, Popular Mechanics, it says that to be a maker is to be creative and self-reliant, turning an idea into an object. And to be super honest with you, I disagree with all of these definitions. And to me, making and being creative is just your contribution to the world. So to get super specific, my friend works at a nonprofit. And she works toward helping homeless people. So in that case, I think she's definitely a maker. She's changing lives. She's helping souls. Um, She's helping people. And I think that that's definitely making, that that qualifies as a maker. She's She's finding a creative way to solve a problem. 
and, and serve people. And I don't think that you have to make something physical. You don't have to make code or write code in order to be a maker. You just have to do stuff, <laughs> I guess, is, is what I'm saying. So even if you are a stay-at-home mom or Elon Musk, I think that you're making stuff. You are doing stuff. You are molding, whether it be technology, you know, people, um, whatever. You're a maker. And the majority of the people that I have interviewed on this podcast are makers. And I'm just going to go down the list right now and share with you a few of the people that I've interviewed and what kind of stuff that they create. So for me, the word maker and creator is the same thing. So for example, let's go with John Lynn of Startup Institute. He is uh, definitely a maker. He helps to mold people's, not just their minds, but he is actively contributing to changing our education system. Like that's for sure he's a maker. Uh, there's, just go back to episode number one, Ali Nelson is a hand letterer. So by all definitions of the term maker, she qualifies, you know, so she creates something physical with her art. You know, there's David Kane of raptitude.com and he's a writer. I definitely think that writers are creators, are makers. Angela Mater of Fitbook, uh, she creates physical journals that help people get healthy in an analog way so you don't track your you know your workouts on an app you use a, the physical journal she made something she's a maker by all definitions so as we go down the list you know there's 80 of receiptful uh, former co-founder of Wu themes who I believe he writes a little bit of code, but the majority is he's marketing and selling and brainstorming and bringing stuff to life and hiring. You know, he's being all CEO 80 over there at, at Receiptful. And I think that that definitely is, that's making. He's definitely making stuff. He made an entire company, bro. Um, you know, so so I'm trying to just focus on the, the kind of people that on the show that you might not, you might not think that they were makers from the outset. I mean, there are a few. You know, Michelle Armas is a painter. She's an artist. She's a maker, right? Do it yourself with your hands. But then there are people who do things a little differently that are still makers. I mean, James Clear reaches hundreds of thousands of people with his writing every month. And we can't say he's not a maker. You know, he's he definitely makes stuff. And that might be a seminar. That might be a blog post. Whatever it is, he's definitely a maker. Then we have Aaron Galemore of Super Eats, my college buddy who left finance to make kale chips. They're now sold in Whole Foods and all over the U.S. He's a maker. He makes food that is sold everywhere um, and is helping people get healthy or have healthier snacks at least. So I just want to use this as a an example or an exercise for you to think about, you know, what is it that you make? What is it that you create? And that doesn't have to be a physical thing. That doesn't have to be a virtual thing. Doesn't have to be, you know, like words. Um, it could be change. It could be just what you contribute to the people around you. I think that's more than enough to consider yourself a maker and a creative. And I mean, I guess it's important to note that why does this even matter? 
I think that for me personally, considering myself a maker or a creative person has influenced the way that I approach projects. It's influenced my ability to give myself room to explore. You know, I, I used to call them just going on adventures and taking my camera. It's about a year, a, a little bit longer than a year since I bought my uh, my camera. And I've been exploring. But before I ever considered myself or allowed myself to consider myself a creative person, I would have said like, oh, you know, I write. Like, I don't, I don't take photos. I don't, you know, step outside the labels that I've already identified with in the past. I wouldn't have allowed myself to apply new labels or strip myself of some other labels, you know? So if I hadn't considered myself a creative person, I never would have started this podcast. And there's been hundreds of people that I've reached. Um, well, I guess when we're thinking of listeners, there have been tens of thousands. But when it comes to people who have written written to me or reached out to me and said, you know what, I really resonated with what you said or um, you helped me in X, Y, or Z way, which I'm super grateful for. I love to hear that. It really does keep me going. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, if I can help anybody to explore a little more, to allow themselves that creative space to figure out where they can be a little more creative or what they enjoy doing and, you know, even if it's five minutes, dedicate five minutes to that more than they are currently, then I think that this whole considering myself a maker thing is worth it. It definitely has helped me serve more people and that's my main goal right now. You know, I've been writing a lot about the ego and all that and the main thing that I'm focusing on to fight the ego is to zero in on, you know, like serving people versus being a thought leader or selling books or whatever the hell. So I think that that's why this topic is important to me and it's clearly important to other people as well. You know, I have that friend of mine who wrote in saying, I don't feel like I'm part of this. And the truth is that she very much is a part of it. And it's safe to say that you are a part of it as well. It just takes a little just some self-awareness to sit down and think, you know, what am I making? What could I enjoy making? Or what what should I create? Or what am I already creating? There's this quote that I love that's um, by Oliver Wendell Holmes. And I'll share it with you right now. The mind, once stretched by a new idea, never regains its original dimensions. Which, I mean... Word, word, Oliver, <laughs> because the truth is that once it's, it's all it takes is one exposure to something that kind of rattles our brains or in Spanish, we have this saying that's mover el piso, something that just shakes your floor a little bit and you're never the same. And that's kind of the, what I'm going for with this episode is getting you to think of just how creative you are. And back when... I spoke to Aldo on episode five, and it's honestly one of people's favorite episodes. Um, We talked about how he doesn't think that he's creative or that he's a creative person, when in reality, like all his emails are hilarious. He sends uh, emails with hilarious gifs in them, and, and, um, and he gets on stage and he rocks it as a public speaker through his, well, 
when I saw him speak, it was as a facilitator for Startup Weekend Central America. He was hilarious. So I was like, how do you think that you're not creative, you know? Aldo, you get so many shout outs on this podcast. <laughs> but anyways, the point is that, you know, sometimes you don't realize you're creative and you already are, you know, but other times you just bump into your creativity later on in life, you know? So recently, I guess recently means about almost two years ago, my mom has started making children's clothes or baby clothes to be more specific. And I don't know that she thought of herself as a maker. I think if I asked her right now, like, mom, are you a maker? She'd be like, ah, what's that? <laughs> but even if I asked her, are you a creative person? I don't think that she would be like, ah, she'd be like, no, you know, but the truth is that I think that it, you sometimes you just bump into creativity later on in your life. And she did it, you know, upwards of 50 years old. So I think that's that's an amazing thing, not only to look forward to, but also to just open your mind, keep keep your mind open to new possibilities. And there's this this beautiful saying by Mahatma Gandhi, and he says, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. And that really resonates with me because I think that a lot of the times when we when we doubt ourselves, we're letting other people's expectations weigh down on us or keep us back, hold us back from exploring new things. And I think that for a long time, we're, we've all, I mean, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you are open to the idea of pushing your mental barriers a little bit. But so that's nothing new, I think. But what I love about this quote is the visual of, you know, somebody walking through your mind with dirty feet and that has helped maybe I'm just a visual person you know how they say that some people learn better when they're reading some people while they're hearing or listening and some people when they're writing well I guess I'm just a very visual person but the truth is that every time that I hear somebody say something mean about somebody else or put down somebody's creativity or whatever I just think of this quote and I'm like you got dirty feet, bro. Stay out of that person's mind and definitely stay out of mind. So whenever I receive, <laughs> the best story I can think of right now was my YouTube video. So I have a TEDx talk that I gave back in 2012. And let me just look up right now real quick how many views it has at this point. Um, but that's where I got my first troll, to be honest with you, or you know, mean person on the internet, let's say if you don't know what troll means. And um, the talk now has, whoa, I am very close to having 15,000 views, 75 views away from, from having 15,000. Um, and the truth is that I never really let that comment get to me because I thought to myself, this person has, first of all, no idea what I'm, what I'm about, right? Um, but secondly they've got dirty feet and it's my mind and their dirty feet don't matter <laughs> to my life to my son's life to my husband's life to my family's life you know and I know that that's a little harder to to withstand when maybe the person who has the dirty feet is trying to walk through your mind is closer maybe even a family member or a very close friend but but the visual of the dirty feet helps to keep me focused on my gut instincts, uh, myself, what I really think about what I'm doing and 
in the words of Brene Brown, just keep swimming in my own lane. That, that kind of reminds me of when we ourselves, you know, we dirty our feet and we try and walk on somebody else's mind. And I think that that happens more than we probably own up to. No, nobody's perfect, you know. And it reminds me of this quote that I read. I'm not even sure where, but it says the following. I love God as much as the person I love the least. And now if you're not religious, um, let's translate that to, I am as good as I love the person I love the least. And that really resonates with me because it's like saying my weakest point is as good as I am. And that directs all of our attention working on that weakest point, you know? So as an example of this, I asked my friend Steffi to tell us a little bit about what she's making. And what I want you to focus on while you listen to it is how focused she sounds on one activity. I'll explain afterward why I find that so important. Hola, my name is Steffi. Right now, I am making a new TV show. And I say making rather than producing in a way that I differentiate arts and craft. When I say arts or making, is that you're creating something new. You're exploring to find a way to make it your own and bring something from the inside to the outside world. Rather, when you produce something or you craft it where you have already done it and you're doing it again to perfect it and make it better. So right now, I'm really excited to be making this new TV show in a medium that's not my primary medium of communication, but yet I'm very excited to discover how through this process, I'll use this medium to share my message. Now I know from personal experience that Steffi has been doing a bunch of stuff for the past few years. She speaks, she consults for different businesses in Panama, all kinds of stuff, um, she has an amazing Instagram and Facebook page. She writes for a newspaper in Panama weekly, every Monday, I believe. And so she does a lot of stuff. And right now she's focused on this TV show. And it got me thinking a lot about my own focus. And to be honest, it kind of coincided with a book that I've been reading, which is called Essentialism. And what this book kind of says is, look, stop doing a bunch of things and just do one thing, and do it well, and focus. And I have to be honest with you, that has not been my strong suit over the past few years. I mean, first of all, I'm raising a toddler, right? Um, so just in that sense, my time is divided incredibly. It's very difficult <laughs> to get anything done, as any other parent knows. But just in general, uh, I've been doing a bunch of different things. You know, I have my weekly blog posts that I write. I have this weekly episode that I upload uh, and all kinds of other stuff while I've been trying to write a book. And I said that I would launch this book. I've been working on it since January. Uh, and I said that I would start, you know, the process of publishing it like early 2016. Well, guess what? Early 2016 is over. We're now approaching May very quickly. And the book is kind of nowhere. So... After reading Essentialism, there's this amazing graphic that has like a circle with arrows coming out in all different directions, kind of like a sun, but like they're arrows. And it says, you know, when 
you are dividing your energy in a hundred million different ways in all these arrows, you kind of move in all different directions. And then there's another arrow next to it that says it's a circle and then it just has one huge arrow and it says you just if you divide if you uh focus your attention in one specific direction, you will move much more quickly. And that kind of felt like a slap in the face. A good a good one. Um and I realized, wow, I've been failing on this. I've been failing to make the best thing that I can make because I've been dividing my attention on all these different things. So I've decided that, yes, exploring is fun. I have really enjoyed exploring different things, including photography, podcasting, writing, blog posts, different topics in the blog posts and stuff like that. Over the past few months, I guess since August really is when I started doing the podcast seriously. But it's time to focus, at least for two months. Because I don't think that I can turn out this book in a month. And I really want to create this and write it, put it out there in my own way. You know, as, as Steffi said in her, in her clip, um, make this whole mindfulness and peace of mind and creative flow topic my own. And put it out there for people and try to help them in that sense. So I want to do this ASAP. And as well as I can, you know, as well as possible, make it the best product possible. So I'm going to stop writing uh, on my blog for about two months and I'm going to put this podcast on pause as well. I'm just going to press pause on this and pick it up when I'm done with the book. And I'm going to miss it. I'm not going to lie, you know, and, and it takes renewed commitment. Just a side note, I wrote about my in my last blog post, I wrote about the fact that spending Easter with my son, you know, 24-7, that whole Easter week in Miami uh, with family and stuff made it more difficult for me to come back to Nicaragua and work because when I spend so much time with him, it's very difficult for me to step away from him, even if it's for work or to create. It's kind of like the bond gets stronger and it's harder for me to to rip the Band-Aid off. But I am committed to doing so uh, for my craft, for, you know, helping others. I recently finished writing the Mindfulness for Makers series and there's hundreds of people signed up for it. And I've, I love receiving emails from people saying you know, that they've enjoyed it, that they've learned something from it, that they love it um, and love mindfulness. So this upcoming book is kind of the extension of that, of that series, a much more detailed and expanded version. There are going to be workbooks involved and audio and, you know, all kinds of different components that go into the book. So I want to make it as, you know, the best possible resource that I can. And it's time to focus. Because, you know, it's funny. I recently had a conversation with a friend and he was asking me, I was telling him about how difficult it was for me to step away from the kid and, you know, I'll do all this stuff. And he was like, so what, what, what's your dream here? Like, what is your goal? And I was like, you know, to just make a living online and, and doing what I really enjoy. And he's like, okay. And so what's standing in the way? And I was like, that I have no paid products <laughs> on the interwebs right now, which sounds ridiculous. If I want to make a living off this, um, there has to be an opportunity for somebody to exchange money for my, for my value, right? The value that I'm putting out there. So it's time to focus on that and really put my money where my mouth is and say, you know, I'm just not just going to talk the talk. I'm going to walk the walk. I'm going to make something. So yes, I've been making stuff. I've considered this podcast and my blog and my photos making, but I want to make this one thing and make it well.
So I hope you understand uh, that the reason why I got to put this on pause, I'll be back in about two months. You might, I mean, if I have time, if the book is going well, you know, I might have a chance to put out an episode here or there in the meantime. But for now, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with me. And I really do hope that you will join me on this whole make process. Uh, you can find that at marcela.co. So M-A-R-C-E-L-L-A dot co slash make. And uh, I'm looking up the that page right now. And you'll find information about the book and also um, an opportunity to sign up to receive emails about it. So what I'll do is I'm just going to keep that list. There are already, a, you know, a good amount of people on the list, upward of uh, a few hundred, uh, and I will let everybody on that list know every once in a while when I have a chance how the book is going, what challenges I'm facing, and, you know, just a little sneak peek into the creative process of creating that book. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. And thank you for listening to episode 31 of Process. So I'll be back in two months <laughs> with the next episode of Process and more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process. <laughs>